What answers will the Cowboys provide us with when they take on the New York football giants on Monday? What a difference a week makes, Tom, as we get riled up here on the Cowboys every Thursday. Thanks to our friends at Blogging the Boys, my co-host, Tom Ryle, and yourself, myself rather, Roy White. You can find Tom at Tom Ryle BTB. You can follow me at RW3. And of course, you can follow all the great content at bloggingtheboys.com. And Tom is the godfather of the podcast. He is the namesake and he is the <laughs> author every week of the questions that the Cowboys must answer for us. Now, quite a difference we've seen in just one week's time, Tom. I think most Cowboys fans would agree. We got a lot of answers that we were okay with there yeah. on Sunday. In fact, you know, quite honestly, as as Poorly as they played at times, you can't poo-poo a victory against the defending Super Bowl participants. Yeah, it was. It had a lot of things that were good. The, the game started great. Uh, the defense was pretty solid all the way through. And uh, then they they pulled out the win at the end with Brett Money Mayer. Mar? Mm-hmm. I keep trying to mispronounce his name. I don't know why I do that. But anyway... It, it was good to see and him Mike nailed. McCarthy got just enough yardage to get that victory because, you know, in years past, he might have sat back and been okay with a longer field goal, but it, it sure looked like he gave Maher every yard that he needed to get that inside the upright. Yeah, and credit to Mike McCarthy for the clock management at the end. They managed to get in that run to get him just a nudge closer and still get the ball spiked to stop the clock. That's not something I'm sure we would have seen in the past couple of years. So that that we have to give credit where credit's due. That was well done. Well, that was exciting. Of course, we got some answers to questions that were still lingering from leftover within that game. Um, of course, the Cowboys have not yet practiced because they've got a Monday night contest. So we'll have all the up-to-date information on that with our Cowboys Daily and, of course, here at bloggingtheboys.com. Any news that breaks from that, you'll be able to get first from our good friends here taking care of you with everything involving the Cowboys. But, Tom, it's a clash of NFC East Titans. And, in <laughs> fact, one of the only remaining undefeated teams in the NFL gets to play host and certainly will be energized by the crowd, I would assume, they're on Monday night when they get to host the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, the, the Giants question is going to be, are they for real or did they just beat up on a couple of weak teams? And there's a possibility it could tilt either way for them. I do think this is going to be a tougher game than we anticipated when the schedule came out. So we're just going to have to find out how the Cowboys answer their own questions. And we've got some to go over now. I look forward to that. Uh, and by the way, you know, just a short thought on the Giants as we will get into. I think I have a lot of evidence pointing to the fact that they might not be that good. And <laughs> hopefully the Cowboys have an opportunity and certainly do have an opportunity. Hopefully the Cowboys prove exactly that and then set up another juggernaut matchup just a week later or two weeks later, rather, when they potentially face the Philadelphia Eagles and there's whispers that Dak Prescott could be ready for that game. I'm not saying it, Tom. I'm not saying it. <laughs> I know. Okay? Yeah, I, I don't know. like the fact that they even put it out there potentially 
that Dak could be back by that game. But shoot, listening to some of the fan base, if Dak doesn't get back soon, he might lose this starting job, Tom. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's lay that one to rest. Uh, okay, one question the- we do not need to ask, although actually I still am going to propose it. But, yeah, I don't think it's really yeah. I lay the floor yeah. to you, Mr. Ryle. Uh, the first thing, and this is fortunately one that I think we've got a pretty good chance of getting a positive answer on, and that's is the, def- the defense going to continue to terrorize the quarterback. And I, I mean, they went up against Tom Brady, you know, the most accomplished quarterback in football his- in NFL history, and held him him and his team to just 19 points. Then they turned around against the AFC representative from the Super Bowl last year, the Cincinnati Bengals, and held them to just 17. And the biggest part of it, I think, has to be the fact that they were getting after the quarterback. Um, They only got two Micah Parsons sacks against Brady. But Brady has such a quick release. He gets the ball out there, and he was still getting hurried. He was having to get the ball out quicker than he wanted to, and that made it harder for him to complete passes, leading to their frustrations and and having to kick so many field goals. Uh, Burrow is the exact opposite. Uh, You know, Joe Burrow holds the ball way too long, and as a result, they sacked him a half dozen times. Two more from Micah Parsons. Can we just go ahead and put his name on the Defensive Player of the Year trophy, do you think? Uh, So it, it really... I think that is something that we can expect to see continue because they've got, you know, not only do they have Mike Parsons, Dorrance Armstrong stood up, Dante Fowler chipped in a sack. And I think Leighton Van Der Esch had the sixth one on a kind of a cleanup thing where just, you know, he got there finally as Burrow was trying to find some way to do something. Now they face Daniel Jones and he is, I think nobody is going to question he's probably not as good a quarterback as either of them. But as far as hanging on to the ball or taking sacks, he's somewhere in between Brady and Burrow, although in the the statistical rankings, he's closer to Burrow than he is to Brady. I think this is going to be a case of the defensive, uh, at least the pass rush, the D-line, is going to get a chance to feast again. Uh, the, uh, the giants have a problem. I think at their left tackle, uh, it might be the right tackle. I'm not sure, but they've got one guy that was having a lot of struggles last week. And now you can be sure they're probably going to line Parsons up over him and just give him more fits. So I think that is something we're looking forward to getting a nice positive answer. I would agree with you. Now, the question as to whether or not they can keep up this pace I think is a valid one and probably one that is less likely, right? As it stands right now, the Cowboys currently rank third in the NFL in sacks behind only the Bucks and the Buffalo Bills. At the same time, they rank third in sack percentage, which is the percentage of plays that end in a sack at over 12%. Now, last year, the league leader was only at about nine and a half percent. Right. So I think you can obviously expect some regression to the mean. And I don't think anybody would argue that the Cowboys have benefited from playing some lackluster offensive lines the last two weeks. 
the Bengals looked like they were in shambles in week one, and that continued in week two. And Brady, of course, we all knew coming into that game that he was going to be without two of his big interior offensive linemen. Having said that, against these Giants, I do think you're in for the same story. This is a Giants team that through two games themselves have allowed Daniel Jones to be sacked eight times, including five times in the opener against the Tennessee Titans. Now, the question about you know how good that Giants offense is, if they can alleviate or you know get rid of the football to maybe stop that pass rush from getting to the quarterback, well, good luck because right now, all the guys you would expect in New York to be contributing in some way, names like Kadarius Tony, Kenny Galladay, they're absent on the route chart, right? They're not playing the majority of snaps for this team. It's led by the likes of Sterling Shepard and another guy by the name. I can't even remember his first name. His last name is James. And I only know it because he was shockingly the highest targeted player by the Giants through two games. So I do expect their sack numbers to look good against the Giants on Monday. And I kind of put the over under at like four. I, I kind of expect them to probably hit the over on that. Unless the Giants come with a game plan that says we got to get the ball out early because we can't we can't stop what's coming. Yeah, I, I would add one caveat. The Cowboys have to make sure they don't mess up and let the run game get going for the Giants. Uh, you know, and as long as they can do that, I think the sacks are just going to come. Uh, once again, you know, Jones is just not that experienced, uh, and he he is uh, he hasn't, you know, busted out the way that Burrow did in his second year after he was injured in his, his rookie season. So, yeah, less than 189 yards in both of his first two games. Yep. So that's that to me says the defense can do the job and will hold up. Most of the rest of the questions, I think all the rest of the real questions we have now are on the offense. And the the, the, the first one is the big one, you know, and that is can Cooper Rush maintain his record of having been in the league for, I think, six years now and never having the team lose a game he started? Yeah, okay, two games we're talking one last year, one this year. But if he can keep that up, this is going to be an interesting little statistical quirk. If he could manage to uh, win all the games until Dak does come back, that's going to be one that may stand for a while. So uh, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. Uh, it's, you know, it's small sample size and all that. Um, but that's going to be up to him. I think the greatest thing he showed was that he did not look at all rattled at any time during the game. He was cool. He was collected. He, he seemed to know what he was trying to do. Um, the, the, the team, you know, kind of had, they, after the first two drives, things didn't go as well for them. And I think that was due to a, a few things, one of which we're going to talk about real quick. But he came into the game prepared. I think he's that's another uh, strong uh, trait he brings is that he is going to be prepared for whatever he has to face as long as he has to face it. And frankly, I would like to see the Cowboys decide maybe they can give Dak an 
extra game or two because they trust Rush. Mm. Uh, and maybe even the Eagles game. I know the Cowboys fans want that back for that, but if if Rush can string together some wins, let him play that game, knowing that that won't hurt them too bad if they lose, just so they make sure that QB1 is fully healthy and ready to go. That's just me. That's just mm-hmm. me. I mean, I'm with you. As I said earlier, I hate the fact that they even hinted that he might be back in four weeks because now it almost puts that expectation that he will be. And I'd have much rather they kept it at the timeline of six to eight and surprised me. Right. I would love to be surprised by the Cowboys one time when it comes to how they navigate injuries. Right. But more often than not, when I am surprised, it's in a negative fashion, right? They've undersold (laughs) how bad something is. And then you find out guys gone on the IR for the rest of the year. Uh, with that being said, you know, can Cooper Rush stay perfect? Well, the next two opponents, he certainly has a great opportunity. The Giants and then at home against the Commanders. That's where I think things get dicey from there. Taking on the Rams in Los Angeles, taking on the Eagles, even facing a Lions team that looks at least dangerous offensively, Right. Might still be the same old Lions the way they lose football games. But, hey, they're scoring 30 uh, pretty easily. So that is got to win. Right? Hey, and and that's something you want to keep an eye on. Now, one thing they do have in common with the Lions that I'll get into actually in your next question. But, you know, can Cooper do well enough while Dak's out? Like, absolutely. Now, I remember a couple years ago when a guy by the name of Tony Romo went down And the question was specifically, we knew Tony would be out for six games. How many games did Dak have to win to keep the job? And at the time I debated with folks, Hey, like if Dak wins four of these six games, it's going to be a discussion point. And if he wins more than that, it's going to be damn near impossible to take it away from him. And sure enough, he won five. And that was the end of Tony Romo's career. So I almost say it with my tongue in my cheek, but like it's worth asking, Tom, if Dak were gone until the Packers in week nine and Cooper Rush took this team on a 7-0 run, would you still go back to Dak? I would. It's a very different situation. you got to remember, Tony had had so many injuries, and they were – some, some, you know, column stuff that was really scary to think about if he took another one, you know. Um, that, you know, his, his bionic ankle seems to be holding up well. And apparently this, this broken bone in his hand was as minimal damage as a broken bone in your hand could be, I guess. And they expect his recovery to go well. I just, you know, I, I hope the team doctors and the staff play it right, just like you. But I, I don't think there's any question. Dak will get the reins back before this season is over. Uh, now, if he were to have a couple more games like he get, did against the Buccaneers, we might have a different discussion we have to get into at that point. I just don't see that coming because Dak typically does not stack two bad games together. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, 
that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. I agree. And in general, I feel like all I've seen on social media is people jokingly suggest this. But if there is anybody out there listening to this podcast thinking Cooper Rush has any chance of taking over the starting job, I don't care how well he plays. This is Dak's job the minute he's available to step back on the football field. So, But, hey, fingers crossed that Cooper Rush can keep us undefeated when he starts against the Giants on Monday night. That's true. Now, he's going to need some help. And one thing he needs help from, and that is – Kellen Moore, I thought, took a major stride from week one to week two, but he needs to take some more strides. Um, The thing that struck me, you know, the Cowboys, like most NFL teams, they kind of script the first 15 to 20 plays. And while the Cows were still operating off of that script, they marched down the field and scored two touchdowns. And except for the fourth down conversion that Cooper Rush did so well on, they really – didn't struggle at all doing it. Um, and that was that was great to see. Once they kind of got out of that, they started having problems. And as uh, David Howman reminded me, we were working on a little post that should be going up uh, probably. If it's not already up, it will be going up shortly uh, about what was going on with Moore. The problem wasn't that Moore was necessarily calling – bad but they were getting in trouble on early downs they were getting you know negative plays and you have to then turn around and say but well was that Moore's play calling that contributed to it or not uh Moore just needs to get more solid after they get into the meat of the game and and do a better job to keep things moving uh, you know, he, he has it in him. I mean, when they came down to it, they had to move the ball to get Brett Maher in position for that field goal. They got there and got just far enough, uh, you know, a, a ball that looked like if it had been another two yards deep, it would have been on the other side of that upright. Seriously. <laughs> you know, uh, because, I thought uh, for a second that it was. I thought he, when I was watching it at home, I yeah. thought he hooked it. Some players even on the field, I think, reacted re- like he hooked it, too. Yeah, even when you watch the replays, it, it's kind of like, well, what? And then the refs throw their arms up, and you go like, what do we want? And that was really good to see. But, uh, yeah, uh, I, I think Moore has it in him. And I also, you know, I didn't mention this in the article. 
But I think there were signs that Mike McCarthy was more involved in the offensive game planning last week. And I hope they decide that's a winning approach and keep doing it. Because, like I said, Cowboys came out and were, were on fire there for, for the first quarter. So, you know. Uh, I have a little bit I want to say on this front. Because Cooper Rush is a very hot-button topic in Cowboy land. So let me first offer this as a support of, uh, excuse me, not of Cooper Rush, of, of Kellen Moore, right, as the offensive coordinator. He's a really hot topic. First and foremost, right, when it comes to the script, that first quarter is where I mentioned one thing they have in common with the Lions. That is, they are the two highest scoring first quarter teams in the NFL. The Cowboys have scored 17 of their 23 points in the first quarter. And because of that, that suggests Kellen Moore can put a decent game plan together. I give him a pass in, in game one. And the reason I give him a pass is because like you mentioned, so many of those times offensive rides were derailed by offensive penalties, right? In fact, the majority of those penalties in that game, I believe came from the offensive side of the ball. So yeah, it was it completely changed this past game too. Bingo, right? I give him, I give him, you know, a little bit of a pass in that. In this Bengals game, they probably would have scored another couple of points had they not fumbled when they were on the Bengals side of, of the field. But yeah. that final drive, they did only get the ball 33 yards down the field to set up a field goal. So I also but don't want to be like, hey, he figured it out offensively when all he did was pick up three first downs, right? Yeah, but in in 57 seconds, that's not always the easiest thing to do. Fair, fair, right? Um, I don't know. I'm just still a little bit in between on Kellen Moore. I think he's higher than people were criticizing him a week ago. Like, this is still the guy that led the number one offense just two years, like just a year ago, right? Or two years ago. I can't remember which of it it was. Last year. Yeah, okay. It was last year. So, I mean, he's obviously put together offenses that can move the ball. And this unit's probably worse than what he's had in the past. So, I don't know. I still feel that a little bit of the pendulum is swinging too broadly for Kellen Moore. For my taste right now, but I understand it's swinging broadly kind of for everybody at the moment when they don't win. (laughs) That's true. Uh, so that's one thing, and, and that's why it's a question. We're going to see how he does and see if he puts together a good game plan, and hopefully the defense is going to maybe get him a turnover or two or something, and he won't have to even worry about working so hard. And it will make sense to get conservative because they get up big. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing is they, they seem to be a little too conservative when they were just up by, by, by two touchdowns. And – that may be more perception than reality, so we'll find out. Meanwhile, there may be help coming besides looking downstream to Dak Prescott. There's a couple of names that might be ready by Monday night. Uh, that is Jason Peters and the big one, Michael Gallup. Uh, we don't know exactly what they're going to do with Peters. There's There is some talk that they want to 
maybe use him as the swing tackle, not mess with what they've got going and, and hope Matt Farniok can survive until Connor McGovern is back. Uh, I don't think McGovern is likely to be back this week at all. Um, you know, but if Gallup comes back and suddenly they've got three good receiving targets out there because uh, well, last week all they had really was Noah Brown, uh, CeeDee Lamb, who had a good game with Brown taking some of the, the attention off of Lamb, and, you know, Dalton Schultz, who got nicked up a bit. Now I think you can get Gallup out there. Uh, I think that changes the equation a little bit. So that would be a good thing, but we still have to see. And there is always the possibility that on the offensive line, they might want to roll with Peters at left tackle, let Tyler Smith move back into left guard for a little while until McGovern is ready to come back and just focus on trying to have their best five on the field and see how that goes. Um, that's, you know, there's, there's pros and cons that whole thing. Cause Smith has gotten off to a, a really good start. He's, you know, maybe not the, the greatest out there at left tackle, but he's certainly solid. He hasn't been getting embarrassed and he's been doing the job that needs to be done for the most part. So it's going to be interesting to see as these people start coming back in. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of. One of those things, if you, you have someone who's going to miss a few weeks, it can actually be great if they do it early in the season so that you have more health downstream. That's kind of how they're going with uh, those guys and with J. Ron Kurtz as well, who, interestingly enough, as, as crucial as he was last year to the defense, they managed to get along just fine without him. And that's a positive sign because it means the defensive depth is better than we even expected. So. That's going to be fun to see. No doubt about it. Everybody is anxiously awaiting the return of Michael Gallup. And I mean, I I say all signs point to him going on Monday night, unless something derails him between now and then. They're giving him a yeah, full they're going to practice. Him, they're going to give him. Yeah, they're giving him a full load in practice. That is definitely there. It's just all the signs are pointing that they want him to be there Monday night. Now. Having said that, while I think we will see him return, I don't think we'll see him take on his usual workload. I think no. we'll see him probably eased back into the play. 10 to 15 snaps is my expectation because especially if they can get along with Noah Brown and CeeDee Lamb and if Dalton Schultz is available, again, we'll find out an update on that as the week progresses. You know, they may not need him or feel like they need him as much. Uh, this is certainly yeah. not as all hands on deck situation as it might have been had they lost to the Bengals. And, and like, to me, that does change the equation just a bit. And if he should just be out there like that, and I fully agree with you, that may well be the plan. It would probably be a wise plan. If he just catches a pass or two and on the other places out there, he makes things open up for lamb and for Brown then that's an impact that it's just a complication for the defense to handle. And that will be good. And it will be part of the ramping up to get him back to being a full contributor. And suddenly with how Brown's been playing that trio of starting wide receivers looks pretty good. Uh, you know, and I think that a, a big part of it would be 
Gallup coming back earlier than anyone assumed could happen. I don't think anybody expected him to be back before about week six or seven. And now it looks like it could be week three. And I think that's what the Cowboys are leaning into is to trying to see if that can happen. So we have a, we have a lot to see there and they still got to find out about the rest of the receive, receiving core because since Gallup probably is not going to be ready to take on a full load, they're going to need some help somewhere. They've already waived Dennis Houston and re-signed him back to the practice squad, according to the reports I saw. And they've got to try to figure out what else they can get out of him because Jalen Tolbert has not been active. Hopefully he's going to be there. Uh, maybe Simi Fajoko can step up. Maybe they can actually work Kevontae Turpin into the passing game, which they haven't done yet. Um, they've also got a problem with, with Schultz's injury because now they're going to have to lean on Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot, although I'm very intrigued to see what Hendershot might do because he seems to have a real potential for being a, a threat down the scene. Uh, and that that could be interesting. They might just accidentally find something there, too. But we've got to figure out still, even with Gallup coming back, we still don't know the answer to the question of whether this whole gamble they took with going with so many young and inexperienced receivers was going to work. Uh, yeah. Well, we will find out more about that on Monday night. I mean, I think the answer to that question right now is no, it has not yeah. worked. Um, simply because, I mean, Dennis Houston's a good example. This is a guy that was being hyped up in training camp as so many previous training camp stars with the Dallas Cowboys have been specifically at the wide mm -hmm. receiver position because we're so starved to see anybody perform consistently outside of the one guy that wears 88, whomever that might be at the time that, <laughs> you know, we're really just trying to find that next guy. And we're so desperate for it that we're willing to anoint any, we're willing to anoint any guy that puts on a show for one day out in training camp. And then we get to the regular season and a guy like Cavante Turpin, who quite frankly, many of us who are skeptical of these types of players like myself, we're still in the thought process of, okay, you know what? I'm convinced Cavante Turpin might be a useful piece and they're going to find yeah. a way to use him. And yet they have not yet. So that is definitely a major question. I think one of the foremost questions that Cowboys fans want to ask now, granted, you know, has he been valuable in the, in the return game? Absolutely. Right. Now, no, no dog a, in Cavante Turpin for that. Yeah. A couple of things about that, that I think may have played into this. I think Houston was always just meant to be a bit of a stopgap while uh, – Well, he had a rapport with Dak, and Dak's not here, so he got to go, right? Yeah, and that – well, that didn't help him. But I think he was meant to be kind of a stopgap for Tolbert, Jalen Tolbert, to get healthy because Tolbert was – they said he was behind. I think now they're thinking that Tolbert is ready to go out there and see what he can provide. And the other thing to remember is this was Cooper Rush out there. Maybe they were just keeping it real simple for him and only giving him a few targets to work with so to make sure that the game didn't get over his head. 
uh, and I, that, you know, to me, I, I can see some re some good reasons you want to do that and not have him trying to spread the ball around too much because he sure didn't. He only completed the ball to five receivers. You know, that was, that was uh, Lamb, Brown, Schultz, uh, and Tony Pollard, and I'm trying to think who the other one. I think it was Ezekiel Elliott caught a pass, and that was it. And so he was definitely just looking at a limited slate of targets. I think now he's got a game under his belt. Let's put a couple more on his plate. Let him have a few more things he can look at. And I will, it'll be interesting. That kind of, it, it's kind of interesting how it interlocks with Kellen Moore and what was he really trying to do and what is he going to do this week? So that'll be an interesting thing to see if there is a, a noticeable progression in that. Mm-hmm. Well, as we look forward then to the New York football giants, because those are a lot of questions that we will certainly look to have answers to, but the giants, as we mentioned, two and oh, they beat a playoff team last year in the Tennessee Titans, although the Titans have started out 0-2 themselves and look like they may have some issues. Granted, you know, one of those losses came against the Bills, who might be the Super Bowl favorite as we speak. And the other win against the Carolina Panthers, who looked pretty porous. I got to watch a little bit of that football game. And uh, again, I am not very impressed by a Giants team that, yes, is 2-0, but has both of those wins by a combined four points against the Tennessee Titans. Were it not for a pair of 60 yard plays, one in the form of a 68 yard run from Saquon Barkley and the other in the form of a 65 yard touchdown pass to Shepard uh, Sterling Shepard, the giants would not have won that game against the Titans. They were fortunate to to come out of there with a victory. It's going to be see, be interesting to see how that impacts the usage of Michael Parsons. They may have to use him at in at in as an interior linebacker as a Mike just to counter uh, Barkley on running downs. Uh, so that may change things. The good news is that with with Armstrong and Fowler and, and the other depth they've got, I think that's not going to knit necessarily make their sack total go down a great deal and they'll certainly be bringing Parsons on obvious passing downs so you know he can actually be on both ends of that by making sure Barkley gets stopped for one or two yards and then setting up longer passing downs when he can pin his ears back and go raging into the backfield as very few players can in the league today Mm -hmm. well and that's one I think like again, plays into the Cowboys' hands. The Giants are going to be stubborn with the run game. They're not going to abandon it because one of their major pieces is, you know, one of their best weapons in Saquon Barkley. But even Saquon, who again, his numbers look great through the first two games, averaging 6.1 a touch, right? Uh, has a touchdown of six, but so much of that came on that 68 yard run. Without it, right, he's had 38 carries for 160 yards. So he's averaging about four a touch. It's not anything earth-shattering or, you know, groundbreaking. And their offensive line isn't strong because, as I mentioned, they've allowed Daniel Jones to be sacked quite a bit. And that's not just from Daniel Jones holding on to the football. Lastly, they benefited mightily from the fact that the Carolina Panthers were – 
horrible to start that game a week ago. They basically fumbled the ball in their first two drives and gave up six points before you could blink. And the Giants didn't yeah. move the ball on either of those turnovers. They just happened to get it on their side of the field and kicked a field goal. And, hey, they wound up feeling good. So, uh, I'm nervous, Tom, because I'm, like, talking myself up into feeling really great about this, and it's football, right? Yeah. So, a lot of different things can happen. But I feel great about the Cowboys' chances to be 2-1 and one after this week. Yeah, I I certainly think <laughs> – well, you know, they had to win the second the second game to have a shot at being two and one. Yeah. So that mission was accomplished. I am going to be very interested to see how Dan Quinn addresses the the bottling up Saquon and then being able to get after Jones. And one of the things that we might see is a lot more of Tank Lawrence kicking inside because he is a very good run defender. And I, I would not be surprised to see him, you know, inside on some plays when they're expecting the run. Uh, you know, we'll just have to see. They've, they've had a little trouble with stopping the run. They did the first game, especially with Leonard Fournette. But they, they were much better there last week. And uh, so we'll just have to see how that trends. A lot of moving pieces. But as you said, there's more reason to have hope than we pro- we may have thought we were going to have sitting down to record this tonight. Hope is alive in Cowboy land and not just hope to survive, but maybe the hope again to carry the torch within this within this division. Right. The Eagles look real good, but, you know, we got a date in a couple of weeks. We'll see where both teams stand at that time. But hey. We got a game on Monday night, and we will get you ready for it. Again, make sure you subscribe to the Blogging the Boys YouTube page. We'll have pre- and post-game reactions on there straight away right before the game leading up to kickoff, and then, of course, directly after the game. So we want you to be involved in all that, and make sure you check out all the great content at bloggingtheboys.com. For my man, Tom, follow him at TomRileBTB. I'm Roy. Follow me at rw 3 Y'all stay riled up on the Cowboys, and we'll see you next Thursday.